And here we go in the spring 2023 semester. It is the Scoreboard Podcast back with you on Tuesday, February 28th. I'm Will Camardella alongside Terrence Holton and Crash Collier. And boy, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to lead today with the USC men's basketball team. And I'll tell you what, guys, you got to give this team a lot of credit. A couple weeks ago, they lose on the road to a god-awful Oregon State team. Looks like they're out of the tournament. This team's dead and buried. They have won four games in a row. They have worked themselves back into a tournament spot. If you uh, trust the Joe Lenardi bracketology that he puts out, he had him today outside even the first four as a 10 seed. What a weekend for USC. Yeah, agreed. I think you definitely saw the Trojans come out really determined to, you know, get a couple key quad one wins and really try to put themselves back into the playoff picture ahead of the Pac-12 tournament next week in Vegas and also ahead of two crucial matchups against Arizona on Thursday night and then to close out the regular season against Arizona State on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, what really stood out to me was how when they beat Colorado, it knocked that it knocked Colorado from quad one to quad two. That's how badly they beat them in a 19-point win. And they're eight and one at full strength. I mean, they're rolling at the right time. Yeah, I mean, you just take a look. That Colorado game in particular for me was so impressive because USC has really had trouble winning there in years past. Uh, They're under 500 all time at the CU Events Center in Boulder. Obviously, you know, Colorado's had some good teams in the past, but particularly that altitude really gets to you. But they just left no doubt. 84-65. I mean, that was three games in a row. The Cal game, the Stanford game, and the Colorado game, where you're well over 80 points. They've shot the lights out from three-pointer. I mean, it's the polar opposite of what got this team in the hole when they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn shooting against Oregon State. I mean, it's just amazing how quickly it turned around. I think you definitely got to factor in how Joshua Morgan's back in his presence on the court has been crucial for the Trojans and just also especially as Vincent Iwuchuku has also gotten healthy between the two of them they've really created a big dominating presence in the paint that's also definitely contributed big time to the Trojans last four wins yeah I mean I 100% agree with Crash I really didn't realize how important Joshua Morgan was to the team until he was out I mean I was a bit, I'm a big fan of Vince. He played very all right, and I thought Joshua Morgan being out, maybe he would step up a bit, and I thought he played well. But Joshua Morgan, he's such a defensive presence. It's insane. It's I such mean, help. Vince has a lot of talent. That's why he was mm-hmm. a highly touted recruit when he got here. But there are things that Josh Morgan brings to the table that Vince just doesn't yet, and he can't yet because he he had the health scare at the start of the season, which means a couple things. When he's coming in, he's trying to learn the speed of Power 5 Division One college basketball in the heart of conference play in late January into February. And the toughest games of the year they're playing right now, he's just trying to figure it out. And the other thing is uh, Morgan just brings a level of experience that – you can't just find with a guy in his freshman year, especially coming in. And also Vince's minutes are limited, which means Vince can't give you the minutes that Josh Morgan is able to give you, which means we're also seeing a lot of Kajani Wright and uh, Niagu and guys who probably weren't in the startup season plan for how USC's center rotation is going to go. So getting him back has really been a godsend. They haven't lost since he's come back from injury, as well as Reese Dixon Waters. He has been incredible since they've come back shooting the basketball. Yeah, definitely so. I think, yeah, you can't take away how 
important Reese's off the bench coming in as soon as kind of, you know, one guy starts to get tired and then really just, you know, also playing pretty steady for the most part throughout yeah. the season. He, he had 15 points in the Colorado game. He had nine points in the uh, in the Utah game. He's shooting effectively from three-point range. He just gives them an added – bench scoring has been a problem for them this year. He just gives them that added element uh, when the starters come out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, let's see, he's another player, Joshua Morgan. When he went out – and this is for Reese Six and Waters, I mean – when Dixon Waters went out, I really didn't realize how important he was until he was out. And he really does bring that level of scoring off the bench that really no one else does. And if there was a sixth man of the year in the Pac-12, I think he would 100% be up for it. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Especially with how even after, yeah, like we said, he's been an insane presence even after he uh, got benched in favor of uh, Trey White. Too, who's also been didn't have the greatest game against Utah and then I, had a pretty decent game against Colorado but still Trey White's also been someone who's been going off really well but like I said to stay back on point about Reese is he's just been really solid off the bench all year long yeah he's really kind of embraced the role I mean some guys especially if they get benched for a freshman maybe they'll be a little um, dejected sad about it but he really embraced the role of six man and he's great off the bench other thing to point out just how important that weekend was for usc this was an under 500 road team entering that mountain trip and obviously the oregon state loss is going to be fresh in your mind there uh they will finish the season as a as a 500 team in true road games in a really gutsy situation a lot of credit for that but as we look forward to this upcoming weekend top 10 team in arizona comes into the galen center on thursday night and then you've got arizona state who have risen their status as a 2A NCAA tournament bubble team. Some bracketologists even have them in now. Two tough games at Galen Center to wrap up the regular season. Yeah, definitely so, especially you've seen Arizona play pretty steady all year, although they've had some startling losses. I mean, obviously the their rivalry game on Saturday when they hosted uh, Arizona State still probably is painfully clear to them. <laughs> No question. But then also they've had some startling losses like that nine-point loss to Stanford about two weeks ago that I think caught everyone off guard and has kind of, you know, ultimately not only kind of, you know, made this game like kind of pretty crucial for them in terms of securing out the number two spot going into Vegas, but also allowed UCLA to just run away with the Pac-12 title with a week left in the regular season. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, USC still could get the number two seed in the Pac-12 tournament. If Arizona loses out, then I'm 90% sure. Well, we have the same conference record, so it's exactly, yeah. essentially, I mean, assuming we assuming we beat ASU, mm-hmm. we're going to get the number two seed outright. Uh, yeah, which would be a pretty big shock to Arizona, in my opinion, especially because they've pretty much been top 10 since the start of the year. Yeah, you got to keep in mind as well, this is not, they're a top 10 team. They're a very good team. This is not last year's Arizona team. This is not the Arizona team that came into Galen Center late. Uh, that was either late February or early March last year and left no doubt in the first half and, and just ran away with it. This is not going to be a one seed next year's NCAA tournament. They are vulnerable. They've shown they're vulnerable off all year. And USC has not lost at Galen Center since that first game of the year Oof. against Florida Gulf Coast. This is a real opportunity for USC. Look, as far as Pac-12 tournament layout um, goes, I don't think getting the two seed means that much for him, but it's the chance to make a statement that there is a changing of the guard in this conference from a year ago. They're playing their best basketball right now. Go out and get it. I think one thing I'd like to add to what you're saying about whether, about being the two or three seed is that 
I think I was reading uh, John Wilner this morning. He was saying, in his opinion, the team you want to avoid in the quarterfinals is Oregon. Like the Ducks, they're like the Trojans. They're good, but they're inconsistent. And they've been playing much more inconsistently than the Trojans. But when they're on point, as we saw a few weeks ago, they are a tough team to beat and can blow you out of the gym. So it's going to be like his opinion pretty much is Arizona and USC want to avoid Oregon until as late as possible in the tournament. Yeah, I get the risk of Oregon. My only response to that would be, that how can you trust Oregon to put together a good game? You know, that blowout in Eugene, again, no Josh Morgan, and all they basically did was just take advantage of USC in the paint. Uh, and and Folly Dante had an incredible game for them. But when Morgan comes back on defense, they're not going to be able to do that anymore, and they've just had too many awful losses this year for me to think that Oregon is definitely going to be a threat to USC to come tournament time. Fair enough. Yeah. Like I said, it's just it's one guy's opinion, and I just thought it was worth bringing up in terms of who you would want to face in that for in that quarterfinal round. I actually couldn't agree more with that. Oregon is a really like we've all said is super inconsistent. Like we saw when uh, the Trojans played them a few weeks ago, it it really is a matter of which team shows up. I mean, at the same time, it could be the team that you know waxed us in Eugene, or it could be the team that lost by thirteen to Stanford. It's just. You'd never know is the problem. And honestly, the same thing could be said for Utah or Arizona State. Those two teams have also been playing really well, but then they have their period, their kind of periods of inconsistency. And I think they also could be teams that could be tough for both the Wildcats and the Trojans. Mm-hmm. Arizona State worries me a lot more than Oregon, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. We're going to move on to the women's team, who also had a very big bounce-back weekend after a troubling loss at Cal, They sweep the Washington schools at Galen Center to finish with a home record of 15-2. They wrap up the regular season 21-8, 11-7 in the Pac-12, and it is officially tournament time. They will play in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament tomorrow night against Oregon State in Vegas. Uh, What are you expecting from the women's team uh, tomorrow? I think from the women's team, it could be another really, you know, have to be potentially another gutsy performance. I, and I think because Oregon State's a tough team, like, sure, maybe they uh, only went 4-14 and 14 on the year, but overall they went 12-17. and 17. And keep in mind, the Pac-12 is one of the best uh, conferences for women's basketball. So any of these teams could be a threat. And you saw Oregon State push USC to the absolute limit when they came to Galen Center not that long ago, only a few weeks ago, and really – made them go beyond just the standard 40 minutes to get the win. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I seriously think that pretty much 10, 11 teams in the Pac-12 tournament could win the Pac-12. It's just such a good conference. You never really know. I mean, this game, I do think the Trojans will win. Um, I think what they got to do, they got to pound the paint, as per usual. Caddy Sissoko, Rhea Marshall, two of the best big combinations in the nation, arguably, in my opinion. Um, But they just got to pound the paint, and I think they can take care of Oregon State. Yeah, whole whole thing to me is just uh, stick to your identity, and your identity is not to outscore teams, it's to outslug them. And this has been an incredible defensive team all year long. You hold Washington to 43 points in that Thursday night game at Galen Center. They only won by four, but they only gave up, I believe, two points in that first quarter. They're just one of the great defensive teams in the entire country, and it's why, despite only slightly over 500 record, 
they're going to be a tournament team come March, and they're a team that no one's really going to want to face in the Pac-12, least of all your one-seed Stanford, that's a top-five team in the country. USC uh, beat them at Galen Center in January and only lost by three on the road, really hostile environment there, only giving up 50 points in that game. So, look, this tournament... The Pac-12 tournament I'm speaking of is going to be a war because there are so many great teams. In most conferences, USC is not even playing in that first round. They've got to buy. But in this conference, they will. But you know what? If they play the defense they're capable of playing, watch out for them to make a run. Yeah, definitely so. Definitely a good game if they can get past Oregon State and then get through Colorado, which I think they should be able to take care of. Took care of them, beat them 71-54 to on January 29th at the... CU Event Center. I think that could be a good game, but then I think the tough game for them is going to be against the other co-Pac-12 champion in the Utah Utes, who have former Trojan Alyssa Peely as the newly named Pac-12 Player of the Year, and it's going to be definitely a fight, especially considering, and while it will be on neutral turf, it's still going to be a tough fight, especially considering... Utah's been playing incredibly well and closed the season by by beating Stanford. Yeah, I mean, like you guys have said, Will, like you said especially, stick to your identity. That's how you win this tournament. The Trojans have held their opponents under 50 12 times this season, and that's incredible. You don't see that really anywhere else. I mean, the men's team, they have only once held their opponent under 50, and that was last game versus Utah. This Trojans team is incredible defensively. I mean, Rhea Marshall holding down the paint, averaging a whopping 3.4 blocks per game. That is ridiculous. That's insane. So they just need to stick their identity, stay in the defensive blocks. That's how you win these games. The other ho- thing you're hoping for is that uh, they're a little more battle-tested now after two very tough losses to three at by three at Stanford, and then in overtime by three at Cal. They missed game-winning or game-tying shots at the buzzer in both those games. Now they come back to Galen Center and win a game over Washington by four points where no one's really scoring. Win a game in double overtime against Washington State. What you hope you get from that is these these tournament games are going to be the most high-intensity, high-octane, high-emotion games they will have played all season. And USC is not really a team used to playing that game historically with the program in recent years. So the hope is that those late season wins, gutting those out and learning your lesson from a tough road trip are going to prepare you for tournament games in the Pac-12 and eventually in the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm, Definitely so. And I think they also learned their lesson midway through that Washington State game where they were down, what was it, 32 to 16, I think? Yeah, they were down 32 to 16 and completely just rallied to get the win in double overtime. And I think it even just came in the locker room between the second and third quarter that they really just started to realize that they just had to, you know, pull it together. And I think that was a really good test of how they just have to, you know, always fight and just not give up ever. And they really showed that. And I think that hopefully should carry over into Vegas tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. I mean, the like you said, well, I'm kind of I keep piggybacking off you, but emotions are going to be high for Oregon State. They need to win in their end. The Trojans, you know, pretty safe team, should be in the NCAA tournament. For Oregon State, they need to win or else their season's over. So they're going to be at the they're trying the hardest. Not that they're not teams are never trying the hardest, but they will be trying the hardest they have the entire season to win this game because they need to win out to make the NCAA tournament. That's just all it is. 
the Trojans, they just need to stay calm. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's it's a different gear, and it, it's going to be do or die for them. This is what it's all about, and uh, I know we're all looking forward to watching it. Uh, we're going to move over to some of the spring sports now. Baseball, the baseball team, promising start to a season. They they sweep Marist at home, uh, but then they've uh, they lose three in a row. They go to Auburn. That series was rescheduled because of. All the torrential rain we got in uh, Los Angeles over the weekend. They weren't technically swept, but they didn't win a game either. They lose 5-3 on Friday, 12-6 on Saturday, and then a 12-12 draw on Sunday. They called the game early because USC had to come back to L.A. They were supposed supposed to play tonight, uh, but that game got rained out. Uh, but obviously a frustrating series at Auburn. You're just going to see a lot of just, you know, I think growing pains and just learning for – this squad that's been in a lot of ways, like there are a lot of new faces here, new coach, new coach, new head coach and Andy Stankiewicz. And then also new coaches in Travis Stewart, uh, Seth Etherton and Andy Jenkins. So very overhauled uh, after uh, the Trojans let go, released a uh, fired uh, Jason Gill last year. And naturally, you know, there was a lot of, you know, changes, a lot of key players left last year, but then also they got a lot of promising guys come in. So I think it's like, you saw them beat the Marist team that they were supposed to win. They're supposed to sweep them. But then you saw them go toe-to-toe with UCI in a game they could have won. But then also you just saw like the frustration kind of really break out a little bit against Auburn because it's like, as I said, it's a really new team. Like, And they're still kind of trying to establish themselves and try to you know really bring back the tradition that is USC baseball. Yeah, I mean, this team, they're going to have to play a chip. They're going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder. Pick to finish. 10th in the Pac-12 preseason poll, uh, new team, new coach, a lot of young guys. It's just this is going to be a growing season, in, in my opinion. Well, the first thing they can work on is uh, touching home plate because they would have won that Sunday game. I mean, they, the game is tied in the twelfth in the ninth inning. They know it's going to be the ninth inning of the game, but just in unbelievable fashion that the go-ahead run does not touch home plate. There's an appeal play to the bag, and he's out, and and it winds up finishing in a tie. And that's just the stuff – I mean, I'm not going to blame Stankiewicz for it because you learn to touch home plate in (laughs) T-ball, but that's the stuff that has to get corrected, especially if you're not talented. Auburn's ranked in some polls. They were in the College World Series last year. These are the mistakes that absolutely – cannot happen for a USC team that oftentimes may not have the talent to overcome it. Yeah, it's doing the little things right. And it's like, seems like this seems like a bit of a trend. I mean, we saw a few times last year, I think MLB guys like yeah. missing first or second base and kind of, you know, costing their teams, you know, sign- potentially significant runs. But even just putting that aside, it's like, like you said, that could have made the difference between a win and a tie. And they really could have, you know, it would have looked good on their resume to have been flying out of Auburn with at least even just get pulling out one of those three games against them as a win. Yeah, look, I, I give them credit for uh, bouncing back. They were down a bunch of times in that sun- Sunday game. They were down 8-4. They were down 12-8, came back to tie it twice. But that's the stuff. You just can't You can't beat yourself. That's the biggest thing, especially with a new coach trying to uh, bring in a new culture. The biggest thing, you cannot beat yourself with, frankly, rudimentary mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that a win at Auburn, you know, an SEC baseball team, that's a marquee win, especially in early days of a new head coach. That would be a pretty big, even though, you know, Auburn's obviously not the best team in the country, but that's still a big win 
even if it's just one win of the series. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the Scoreboard Podcast. It's just our first of the semester, and with March coming up, we're going to have a lot of college basketball and other things to talk about as it really becomes win or go home. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Will Camardella alongside Terrence Holton and Crash Collier. Tune in next time.